that's just where we're at today. I mean, but uh, the, I said all that to say this, with the work and the hours and the labor that he's putting in, it's going to allow the gospel uh, through this teaching to go into the public school systems and into a lot of homes and let the government pay for it is what I say. Amen. About time some of our tax money go for something, amen, that would be beneficial. And I'd say the gospel is beneficial. Amen. And so when I uh, just saw what he was doing, I thought that's a great investment for the church uh, to be a part of. And so we want to pray. I know you've got some prayer cards. And after the end of the service, if you would just go to the back and let us be able to get a prayer card from you, it would certainly be a blessing. We sure do appreciate this dear brother and his family. If you'll stand with us tonight for just a few moments, Second uh, Samuel chapter number 23. Won't keep you long tonight at all. Second Samuel chapter 23. And we certainly do appreciate what the Lord has done for us today. Amen. And uh, the souls that were saved and uh, how God moved in the service this morning. And we pray that he'll help us also tonight. Second Samuel chapter 23. And look with us in verse number 20. The Bible says, And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kebzeel, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab, he went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in the time of snow. And he slew an Egyptian, a goodly man. And the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but he went down to him with a staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. <clears throat> These things did Benai, the son of Jehoiada, and, the name, and had the name among three mighty men. Heavenly Father, Lord, I do pray tonight that you would bless us. I pray that you would uh, give us the liberty that we need tonight to preach, give us the words and give us the wisdom to say only what you would have us to say. I pray for liberty tonight. I pray, dear God, that you would give us a fresh touch. I pray that, uh, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would, would have his way and his will. Lord, speak to us now and we'll thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want you to think about this man here by the name of Benaiah. And when we think about him, and he's one of the mighty men that David mentions in chapter number 23. He's not amongst the first three that are mentioned in verse number 8 down to verse number 12. But he is mentioned in this second uh, trio of men that we find here in this text. And I want you to think about Benaiah's uh, uh, reputation. I want you to think about uh, uh, who he is. His name simply means Yahweh builds. And, and this dear man, this man who was a mighty man, a valiant man, uh, the Bible says that his name means Yahweh builds. The first part of that name coming from the word ban, which means to build. And the second part of that name coming from uh, the name Yahweh, which means God, that Yahweh or God builds. You know, anything that is ever accomplished for God, God's going to have to do the building. Amen? Except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain uh, that build it. Amen? And so we see his uh, reputation. And then we see his relative is mentioned here. He's the son of Jehoiada. Uh, the Bible talks about him that he was the son of a valiant man. And so in other words, uh, uh, this man, this son here, uh, got his encouragement 
judgment from his father. His father was a valid man as well. And we find that this valiant performance ran in the family. I would just stop and say this tonight to every father, to every dad in this room tonight, that no one will influence and encourage your children any more than what you will and what you can. In fact, there's not a preacher on God's earth that can influence your children in any other, in the same way, should I say, that you can as a father. The reason for that is because God gave those children to you and God put them in your hand and God put them in your trust. And and this young man here was encouraged and was influenced, uh, uh, no doubt, by his own father. I'm reminded of Hudson Taylor when he was four years old. He stood on top of a coffee table in the living room of their home and said, when I become a man, I'm going to go to China as a missionary. And the reason Hudson Taylor said that was because of his daddy's own uh, burden for the uh, for the Chinese people. Where did he learn that at four years of age? He learned it from his father. And you and I have a responsibility as dads uh, uh, to encourage and to equip and to lead our children in the right direction. And so we see here, uh, we see here Beniah, we see his reputation, we see his relative, and then notice his record here. Uh, the Bible mentions his record. He was born to, uh, to serve as a priest, but he became a soldier, the Bible mentions. Uh, he later became one of David's commanders over his own bodyguards. Uh, he would eventually become Solomon's chief armor, uh, army leader. And so we read much about him in the Word of God. But in our text, uh, he is one of these great uh, three great uh, uh, men that stood and fought for David and fought in the battle. And we see his record is recorded in verse number 20, in verse number 21. But I want you to notice about his resemblance because when we read this text uh, there is another character uh, that emerges in this man's life. You say who is that? Well it's the mightiest man of all and it is the Lord Jesus Christ. You see when we think about this man here and when we read this text uh, uh, though we know he is an, uh, a literal individual uh, there is a time, there is a picture of Jesus in this man's life. You know when people look at us as leaders uh, that's what they all to see. They ought to not see us, but they ought to see Jesus in us. Amen. And when I look at this text, I see another characteristics in this man's life that reminds me of more than just the earthly. It reminds me of more than just the fleshly. But it reminds me of the mightiest man of all, the Lord Jesus Christ. This man was a leader, but he wasn't just any leader. He was a Christ-like leader. And I want to preach a few minutes tonight on that subject on the Christ like leader amen you see tonight uh, uh, that's a responsibility that we all have when it comes to leadership is that people ought to look at us uh, and the way that we live our life uh, and the way that we lead our life uh, they ought to see us as a Christ like leader amen we ought to be a good example for the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in how we live uh, and the things that we do isn't that right tonight Uh, whether it be a pastor whether it be a a Sunday school teacher whether you be a dad whether you be a mother that's taking care of those children whatever your form of leadership is in this life uh, my friend we ought to resemble Jesus Christ uh, and this man is a Christ like leader I want you to look at some things concerning uh, his life and how uh, that he pictures Christ uh, and not only does he picture him but he he pictures him as a leader notice with me first of all 
tonight, I see his Christ-like leadership is seen in his foes. Amen? Because he has some enemies in this text. Notice the Bible said in verse number 20, when it talks about Benaiah here, it said, the son of Jehoadiah, the son of a valiant man of Kabzeel, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab. So his first foes, his first enemies that is mentioned here is two lion-like men of Moab. And then the Bible goes on and said he went down and he slew a lion in the midst of a pit in a time of snow. So this man has to has two lion-like men. Uh, the Bible mentions there uh, two lion-like men that, uh, that were uh, a picture of the flesh. Uh, excuse me, then it talks about uh, uh, to a lion that he killed on a snowy day. And then the Bible talks about an Egyptian. I want you to think about these foes for just a few minutes tonight. Let me get a swig of water. Wet my whistle and maybe I can preach a little bit better. It'll help if y'all say amen. I won't be half as nervous. It's St. Bible Presbyterian Church tonight. Or Bible Methodist. I'm not charging you $100 to say amen. Now, I've been on vacation, but don't you go on one tonight. Amen. You can go on one tomorrow. I'm talking about his Christ-like leadership is seen in his foes. And the lion-like men that the Bible talks about here represents the flesh. And we'll say more about that in just a few moments. These two men represent the flesh. Now Moab, think about this. Moab, the Bible said, was God's wash pot. Amen. That's what Psalms chapter 90 talks about. Moab was God's wash pot. You know what a wash pot is? It's where you put dirty things. It's where you put filthy things. Amen. Hey, can I tell you that's what the flesh is? The flesh is filthy. Amen. And the Bible said there was two of these lying like men. They represent the flesh. Hey, the Bible talks about the lust of the flesh, uh, the desires of the flesh, uh, and it talks about the lust of the mind. Amen. And so it represents uh, uh, the flesh. And then uh, this lying in this pit represents the devil. Amen. Uh, one of these days, Satan's going to be cast into a bottomless pit. Isn't that right? Uh, and my friend, he's as a roaring lion. The Bible talks about uh, this Egyptian here uh, represents the world. Amen. Egypt uh, is a type of the world. Now, we know that he's a Christ-like leader uh, just by looking at those that are standing against him. I mean, the world doesn't like him. Uh, the flesh doesn't like him. Uh, and the devil doesn't like him. Amen. Can I tell you tonight, if you live for God, uh, uh, you're going to have some enemies. Amen. Uh, we don't need to run around and make enemies tonight. Uh, uh, we can recognize our enemies. Uh, our enemy's not some church down the street. Uh, it's not some neighbor across the uh, yard somewhere. Uh, it's not somebody you work with. Uh, I'm telling you who the enemy is tonight. Uh, uh, the enemy number one's the devil. Amen. And the enemy number two is the world. Amen. And the enemy number three is the flesh tonight. And you and I would do well to fear all three of them and to stand against them. Uh, uh, but can I tell you if you live for God, the devil will hate you. If you stand for God, the world will despise you. And if you live for God, your own flesh is going to fight you. Amen. I don't know about you, but that's enough battles I don't need anymore. I want to spend my days fighting the world, the flesh, and the devil because God promised us a victory. He said, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Hallelujah. Amen. 
I'm telling you tonight, we don't have to fall prey through to none of them. You don't have to roll over and give in to the world. You don't have to fall prey to the devil. You don't have to give in to the flesh. God has promised to give you the victory tonight. Amen. Can I tell you, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I'm not trying to be cool. Somebody say amen. I'm not trying to be trendy. I'm not trying to fit into this world. I'm not trying to, uh, to get the attention or the applause uh, or the popularity of this world. Uh, I'm not out to put a black eye on Christianity. Uh, but I'm telling you, if you live for God, uh, uh, the world, my friend, if you don't even open your mouth, uh, if you just live a godly life, uh, uh, this ungodly world uh, will despise you uh, because they despise Jesus Christ. Uh, they'll stand against you uh, because you stand for Him and you love him. I'm telling you, Christ-like leader is known by his foes. Amen. You know why some people don't like his church? Because they don't love Jesus. You know why some people are going to say, hey, there's not a church in America tonight that's, that, that what the, those churches that are standing for God, I promise you, if you go to any church in any community that's keep preaching from a King James Bible, that's going after souls and that's standing for what's right, there's always somebody or somebody's in that community that's got something bad to say about that church. But can I tell you something about the devil? He was a liar from the beginning. He is still a liar. I say, let them say what they're going to say. Let's just keep marching on for the glory and the honor of God. We know who our enemies is tonight. The enemy is the world, the flesh, and the devil. That's why we can't afford to let things happen and go on in the house of God. Brother, we can't let the world come in our church tonight. Now, let's just be honest. We're every single one of us from the pulpit to the pew tonight. We're all worldly to a degree. Because we live in this world. There's a difference, my friend, than letting the world take over tonight. We can't let them come into our church. We, that's why we have convictions. That's why we have standards. Uh, and they come from the Bible. Amen. Uh, somebody asked me one time something. Uh, if I believed in the or if I did this and did that. I said no, but I believe in both of them. Amen. Uh, you know why I said that? Uh, because it's right. Amen. I'm telling you, if this book is right, we need to preach it. Amen. And if this book is right, you need to say amen to it when it's preached. Uh, if this book is right, we need to stand on it. Amen. And we don't just need to preach it, but we need to live it every single day of our life. Amen. Now, Brother Gravely, do you live everything in this book? I try, but I come up short. I try, but I fail. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that. No, I don't have it all together, but that book's got it all together. I don't have it all right, but that book's got it all right. I don't always do right, but I strive for it every day. I miss the mark every day. But I tell you, I just keep going back to that book, and the devil doesn't like that. I'm telling you, my friend, I'm telling you, listen, hey, something happened just the other day. I told my wife, that ain't nothing more than the pure devil, amen. And we prayed together about it, and we asked God to take care of the situation. I'm telling you, God took care of the situation. He not only took care of it, but he came along the next day and confirmed that what we did was right and then he came along I think this morning I think he just honored it I think he just blessed it I'm telling you when you do right it may stir the devil up but God will honor it every single time hallelujah 
Young people, listen to me. You do right. I don't care what your friends do. I don't care what your neighbors do. I don't care what's popular. I don't care what the world says. I'm about tired of them trying to cram stuff down our throat anyway. I'm telling you, friend, they want to put a disclaimer on anything that's decent and anything that's holy, and they want to shame and silence us for having morals and decency and respect in society, and then they want to shove all this filth and all this mess down this next generation. Hey, I'm telling you, friend, I plan on preaching against it until my dying day. Hallelujah. I don't care if it makes all hell mad tonight, and it probably will. Brother, I'm telling you, it's the kind of preaching I grew up on, and I thank God for it. Brother, I'm telling you, there's not a sin in America tonight uh, that what uh, there's not a problem in America, should I say tonight, that what it couldn't be solved with some old time leather lung, Holy Ghost, heaven sent, heartfelt preaching, amen. Uh, I'm telling you, if there's ever been an hour when men of God need to rear pack uh, and set the plow deep uh, and preach on uh, and plow on uh, and march on uh, for the glory of God, uh, oh, the devil be ready to meet you when you're around the corner, but God, will give you the victory hallelujah I want to say tonight this Christ like leader he has seen in his foes and then uh, notice tonight uh, uh, that he has seen in his fighting amen his Christ like leadership is seen in his fighting you say what do you mean well I want to say tonight uh, anytime that we endeavor uh, to do God's will you can mark it down this is what this chapter proves uh, that if we try to do what's right uh, there's going to be a battle amen this dear servant faced a battle I noticed the strength of his fighting is seen in these two lion like men. I, I, I looked at commentaries. I thought, what does that mean, two lion like men? I thought about it. What does that mean? So I read about 15 commentaries and found out they didn't know neither. Because nobody said nothing about it. That doesn't mean somebody hadn't. I just couldn't find nothing. And I just kept thinking, I, I don't know if I've got it right, but I thought, what does it mean to lion like men? I think it simply does mean this, that they, that they were fast like a lion. I mean, he's going up against two warriors. You think about a lion, you can't outrun a lion. A lion is more skilled, it's more trained, it's quick, it's swift. Isn't that how the devil is? He's quick and he's swift. I don't want to give him no credit tonight. Isn't that the way the flesh is tonight? These were two lying like this. They were fast, quick on the draw. I think it means that they were ferocious, like a lion. To look at them, I mean, they were head and shoulders, uh, uh, probably amongst most, most, uh, most men. Uh, they were strong. Uh, uh, you could not overcome, uh, you cannot overcome a lion tonight. Uh, a lion is stronger uh, than you and I. I'm no match for this flesh tonight. Uh, I'm telling you, if I give in to this flesh, uh, it's capable of doing any rotten, ungodly thing. Uh, I need God's help every day. This flesh needs to be put on the cross. Uh, there needs to be a funeral in our life every single day. The flesh has to die in order for us to live uh, unto Jesus Christ. Uh, hey, listen, you can't pamper the flesh. You can't pity the flesh. You can't prop up the flesh. You can't make an excuse for the flesh. I'm telling you, the flesh, it's a lion like man. It's ferocious, amen. This flesh tonight will overtake you and destroy your life if you let it. 
ferocious like a lion. And then I think it means they were fatal like a lion. You know what a lion is tonight? It's a killing machine. And the flesh tonight will devour, destroy, and overtake anything that gets in its path. Your flesh tonight, my flesh is not my friend. My flesh does not love me. My flesh loves itself. You say, well, it's a part of you. I'm wrapped up in it. But my flesh doesn't care who it hurts, including me tonight. My flesh will do anything. My flesh will try anything. It doesn't matter if it hurts my wife. It doesn't matter if it destroys my testimony. It doesn't matter if it hurts the church. It doesn't matter if it brings shame to the name of Christ. My flesh tonight, it doesn't care if it takes me to an early grave. It just has a lustful desire to do whatever it wants and whatever satisfies it. The only problem is the flesh is never satisfied. The more you give to the flesh, the more it's going to take. Hey, that's the way these men were. They didn't care who they killed. They didn't care who got in their pathway. They didn't feel nothing for nobody. The strength of his fighting. He didn't fight one of them, he fought two of them. The success of his fighting in the, in the lion in the pit. Look at this. In the same verse, the Bible said he said he slew two lion like men of Moab. And then he went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in a time of snow. I heard Billy Gillsby preach this message years ago on how to kill a lion on a snowy day. Did you ever hear that message? One of his famous messages. And I can't remember the outline at that time, but I was thinking about this text here and thinking about this line that he defeated. Look at this. He defeated the worst of enemies. The Bible says here he went down and slew a, a lion, the worst of enemies, the king of the jungle. And then he slew this lion and defeated him in the worst of places. The Bible said it was a pit. It's one thing to fight on flat ground. It's another thing to fight down in a pit. There's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. But he defeated the worst enemy. And he defeated that enemy in the worst place. And then he defeated him in the worst conditions. It was in the time of a snow. But this man, after taking two lion-like men out, he goes down into that pit. He faces the worst enemy of all in the worst place, in the worst condition. You say, how did he do that? I told, he told you he's a picture of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, my friend, he defeated the worst enemy, the devil. He defeated him in the worst place at Calvary. Amen. He defeated him in the worst conditions. He took him out and he defeated him at the cross. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm talking about at Calvary. The Lamb of God crushed the head of hell. The most strongest warrior. He crushed the head of a roaring lion. He took him out on his own turf. Jesus went to the top of a hill and he slew that lion. Hallelujah. The similarity in his fighting against the Egyptian. I'm talking about his Christ-like is seen in his fighting. The way this man fights. You know, the way we fight ought to remind people of Jesus. The weapons of our warfare are spiritual, not carnal. And the similarity is that he noticed the Bible said in verse 21 that he slew an Egyptian, a goodly man, and the Egyptian noticed this. He had a spear in his hand. But he went down to him with a staff. <laughs> and he plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand 
and slew him with his own spear. The more I read about this boy, the more I like him. I think he's my favorite character of all of them. I mean, he is just a bad dude, I'm telling you. Brother, I mean, he is somebody that, I mean, listen, he sees this guy with a spear. He's an Egyptian. He's got a, he's got a staff, amen. I'm talking about he's a picture of Christ. Uh, he is the, sh- a staff represents uh, uh, that of a shepherd, amen. Uh, he doesn't have a spear in his hand. He's got a staff in his hand. Uh, he just like Jesus Christ. Uh, the Bible calls him the chief shepherd and it calls him the great shepherd and it calls him the good shepherd uh, and David but said he's my shepherd amen I'll tell you this boy goes down there and my friend now look at the skill in this fighting against this Egyptian I mean that Egyptian's got a spear and he's got a staff he's a soldier but thank God he's a shepherd amen and he goes down there like David hallelujah and he faces this Egyptian and by the end of this battle he's taken his own weapon away and he's took him out with his own weapon hallelujah Well, if I had a throat, I'd shout tonight. You say, why? Because he defeated the enemy with his own weapon. I'm telling you, I'm talking about Christ-like leadership. Uh, Jesus went to Golgotha amen with what did he have when he went to the top of that hill I'll tell you what he had uh, he had a cross amen uh, I'm telling you the most dreaded place in all of history and uh, with the most cruelest form of punishment known to man uh, he turned it into the most wonderful place uh, he took the most cruelest form of capital punishment and turned it into the song of the ages uh, uh, Jesus Christ uh, uh, took the weapon uh, out of the devil's hand himself Barabbas probably made that cross but Jesus took it from Satan and he used it to deliver all of humanity hallelujah Woo! praise God you know why that makes me happy tonight because the Lord grew a tree one day he gave it the life and grew it man came along and cut it down killed the tree and turned it into an instrument to kill men Satan took that tree, the crucifixion, the Roman crucifixion, and used it as one of its greatest tools to ever be used to send men to hell as he would brutally torture them and put them on the cross and send them to hell. But I want to tell you, my friend, Satan declared it to be an instrument of death. That's what crucifixion was. When a man stood at the judgment bar and he heard the words, Golgotha, his heart sank into his stomach because it not only meant sure death, but it meant the most brutal, torturous death that a man could ever face. Death by crucifixion was death by torture and suffocation. But Jesus took that tool out of the devil's hand. Thank God, you know what he did? He marched to the top of that hill that day and thank God, a place where the souls of men had been lost is now a place where the souls of men can be found. Hallelujah. Took it out of the devil's hand. Crushed his head at Calvary. Defeated all hell with its own weapon. And now the cross doesn't send men to hell. It leads them to heaven. Now Calvary is no longer a place that brings death. Thank God it's a place that brings life. 
Calvary no longer being a place of punishment. But now we can stand here tonight and for the last 2,000 years we can say that Calvary is a place of pardon. Hallelujah. Calvary no longer brings horror. But thank God it brings happiness. It's not the end of man. But hallelujah, it's the beginning of man. It's no longer about a sentencing. But it's about salvation. The cross no longer puts a heavy burden on a man's back. But as the songwriter said, burdens are lifted at Calvary. It lifts every burden that you'll ever have in this walk of life. Jesus took the weapon out of his hand and slew the dragon that day. The enemy doesn't win at Calvary. He loses. Rome has fallen. Crucifixion has been forgotten. But Christians hold high the blood-stained banner. And we sing that old song. Years I spent in vanity and pride. Caring not that my Lord was crucified, knowing not that it was for me he died at Calvary. I'm saying this man is a Christ-like leader in my friend in his fighting, in his foes. And then he's a Christ-like leader. His Christ-like leadership is seen in his finishing. Because when you look at these two lion-like men, and you look at this lion, and you look at this Egyptian, here's what, here's what comes to mind in this text. Is that this mighty man won every single battle that's recorded. I'm telling you, just look at it. Look at it. Read it again. Who had done many acts. Doesn't that sound like Jesus? He slew two lion-like men. Well, you'd think there'd be a period there and he'd be done, but that ain't the end of it. He whips them two boys, takes them out and goes on down and finds a pit with another lion in it on a snowy day. And he takes, we're more than conquerors through him that love to say, man, I'm telling you, there's no enemy too big. There's no battle too great. There's no weapon too strong. And if this mighty man can't take him down, there's nothing you're ever going to face in this life. That God can't give you the victory. There's no one that's ever going to stand in your path. That what God can't move them out of the way. I'm glad we're on the winning side tonight. He won each battle. He won every battle. They were all earthly battles. But thank God he won every one of them. And if he can do it then, hallelujah, he can still do it now, tonight. There's not a battle in this room that God can't give you the victory. You know, that's really what I was saying this morning. Quit living on the wrong side of Jordan. You know why that's such a tragedy? Because you don't have to live there. I mean, after they went to Canaan, two of those tribes, am I right about that? Two or two and a half of them, two of them went back, didn't they? They wanted to stay, two and a half wanted to stay on that side. But Joshua said, well, you can go back when it's all over with, when it's all said and done, but you're going to fight the battles with the rest of us. We're not breaking up till the battle's been won. Amen. I'm going to tell you, my friend, for the life of me, I thought after you fought all them battles and won all those victories, why in the world would you want to go back to the other side and live on the other side? I'm going to tell you something tonight. About 30-something years ago, as a teenage boy, I'm not talking about getting saved. I'm talking about as a teenage boy. I got an altar, my friend. I could take you to the place and I sold out and surrendered to God that day. I've not been everything I ought to be. I've not been everything I wanted to be, but I surrendered my life to God and I've never been sorry. Say, preacher, you want everybody? I don't know, but I could have. It's not his fault. 
And I'll tell you what I've wanted all these years. I've wanted to live on the right side of Jordan. I want to stay in Canaan. I'll tell you, this man lived in victories, what he did in this text. Hey, hear me tonight, child of God, and i got to close. You can live in victory. Finish. Hey, hear me, stay the course. Can I get a witness on that? Don't you back up on your convictions. I don't care if your best friend sails out and goes to the world. Don't you back up on your convictions. Don't you even question what you've known to be right all these years. Amen. We're living in a society that tells you to question your authority, question everything. I thank God I grew up in America where you was told to never question the authority. It was the God-given authority in your life. You say, well, I just think you ought to explore things. You know what? I took my faith that what my parents said was right. Hey, when they told me if I didn't shut up, they was going to knock my teeth out. They never did, Brother Laddie, but I took it by faith. And if I kept rattling off, they'd knock my teeth. Out. Can I get a witness on that? <laughs> People get nervous when you preach like that now. You know why? Because they put their kids in time out. I'm going to tell you something. It don't work. That's why when they're eight years old, they're still brats. Can I get an amen? And they graduate from a brat to a rebel. Am I telling it Right. Brother, I'm telling you, listen, I'm not talking about child abuse, amen. I, listen, I won't get into all of that. But I thank God I grew up in an America, uh, my friend, where I didn't question my parents. They wasn't even saved. Uh, uh, but I knew that God had, had brought me into this world through them, amen. They had took care of me. And I didn't question the school teacher. And I didn't question the police officer. I didn't question a man of God when I went to church. Uh, and they opened that book and preached out of that book. Uh, I didn't question the Holy Ghost uh, when he came to the pew where I was and said, you're lost and you're going to hell and you can't save yourself. I thank God for parents that wore me out and taught me to surrender to the authority that was in my life so that that day when it came and the Holy Ghost knocked on my heart, I surrendered to the authority that was in my life. Amen. You don't whip your kids or go to hell. It's that simple. That's in there somewhere. Y'all have to find it. Hey, I'm talking about finish. Stay the course. How many of y'all tonight, you don't have to raise your hand. How many of you tonight in your heart, you plan on finishing with old time religion? By the grace of God, I want to die an old time Baptist preacher. I want to die in the old time way, don't you? I want to stay with this book. I want to stay with this church. I want to stay with what's right. It may be a houseful, but let's face it, it might be a handful. Brother Mike, it may get down to a handful in this auditorium before it's over with. But if it does, if there's only 12 left, I want to be one of them. <laughs> I want to be one of them. If we go from 212, Lord, I want to be one of them. I want to say tonight, he pictures Christ in his leadership because he finished. And then I want to say this tonight, his Christ-like leadership is seen not only in his finishing, but it's seen in his faithfulness. You know, this servant was faithful to the end. 
He did not let fame. Look at verse 22. These things did Benaiah the son of Jehoiada and had the name among three mighty men. Now that's verse. I want you to think about this for one minute. He didn't seek no fame, did he? But he had a name. But here's the thing about his name. He did not give himself the name. God gave him a name. You know, I thought about there are people today that they strive so hard. And I'm talking about even in the religious world. They want a name. They want to be remembered as. You know what I want to be remembered as? Whatever the Holy Spirit if he even wants me to be remembered for anything, I only want to be remembered for what he would want me to be remembered for. I wouldn't want to, Brother David, I wouldn't want to come to the end of life. I thought about this the other day when I read that verse. <coughs> I wouldn't want to come to the end of the life and people come by my casket and say this. Well, he had a name. Yeah, he was known. Because everything he did, he let people know about it. He made sure everybody knew. Oh, he had a name. Yeah, he spent his whole life building that name. Mm -mm. This man in this text isn't trying to get a name. No fame. You know why he even has a name in 2 Samuel 23? I'm going to tell you why. Because he was faithful. That's the only reason why it's in there. Because he's faithful. I want to tell you tonight, nothing else matters in this life except our faithfulness to Christ. You walk away from God, you've walked away from everything good in your life. You walk away from serving Jesus. Might be somebody sitting here tonight, you're half in, half out. I'm going to tell you something, you lose faithfulness, you've lost everything. Because the only thing you can be for Christ is faithful. Can't be anything else. And when you get to heaven one day and we stand at the judgment seat, our whole life is going to be measured by that one yardstick, faithfulness. So how do you know that? Because the only thing he's going to say to us in the end is well done. When if, he, if he says well done to me or you, it's going to be because of this. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. The greatest leaders that we've ever known have been men. They were heroes. They were men of great courage, men of great valor for one reason. They didn't quit. They were faithful. And in a day of quitters, in a day of people who are changing, dipping their colors left and right, we must stay the course. I thought about this chapter. All these men are Christ-like leaders. You see... You don't, go, you don't back up when there's more against you than there is with you, like in the case of Adino. Because Jesus, in the end, had more against him than he had for him. You don't quit even when your hands get weary, like in the case of Eliezer. You know what you do? You trust the sword to do the work, and you keep your hand cleaving to the sword. The Word of God. Is that not what Jesus did in Matthew chapter 4 when the devil came? He took the Word of God and he cleaned cling to it you keep on standing for what is right even when it means you have to stand alone like in the case of Shammah because Jesus at one point all the disciples even forsook him 
You always do the honorable thing, like in the case of Abishai. Jesus, Pilate, even said himself when it came to the end, I find no fault in him. And the centurion said, truly, this is the Son of God. And you always win when you're faithful because God will always give you the victory, just like in Benaiah's place. God won the battle. Tonight as we stand, I tell you tonight, leadership should never show the flesh that it ought to be an example of Christ. When we see each other, we should see Christ in each other. Mom, Dad, your children, they need to see Jesus in you. The greatest thing you can do for your kids is live for God every day. Be a good example. Be a Christian. They'll never forget that if you'll just be a Christian every day. You don't have to be perfect, but be a Christian. I'm telling you tonight as a Christian, when you you leave out of here and you go home and you start your work week, you don't owe the world an explanation, but you do owe the gospel. How you live at work will tell enough of what you really are. You need to live for God. You need to be a Christian at work. The world needs to see real Christians on the job, in the factories, in the mills, down at the schoolhouse. That's Christ-like leadership. What kind of a person I am when I leave this place and leave this congregation is really who I am tonight. And with our heads are about eyes are closed, Brother Sam's going to lead us in a song. If you need to come, you just come. You obey God tonight.